0: Hey, friends. Hi, friends. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so we are recording all together in the same room.
1: It's groundbreaking.
2: F- yeah, first Her. time we've done this. Super excited. We're already,
0: like, talking over
2: each other, but it'll be great. That <laughs> so makes us us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You already said that? No. We're doing great. And a happy
2: new year.
0: (laughs) So how was your guys' Christmas? It was
2: really great. Super exhausting.
0: (laughs) But fun. Yeah, your your sister got married.
2: Yeah, she got married on December 22nd. And it was really beautiful. But in hindsight, it would be super awesome if she got married, like, this week, the week after Christmas, (laughs) because then we would all have been, like, super excited, Christmas, yay, let's make centerpieces, and then have the wedding, instead of, like, wedding, 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 oh my gosh, Christmas is tomorrow. (laughs) Like, we were all super stressed. But it was really fun, and I'm super happy for her, and Christmas was awesome, and it was a good time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I went to Colorado for Christmas, so that was pretty fun. Got to go to the mountains, and be in the mountain air and hmm. do some snowshoeing. <laughs> yeah, tell them about your your adventure. Oh, man. Snowshoeing. Snowshoeing. Well, I don't know if our viewers or viewers, <laughs> listeners, I don't know if you guys have been to Colorado or not, um, but I was in Breckenridge and it's 11,000 feet elevation and I live in Ohio, which is nowhere near that <laughs> in terms of elevation. So, when I went snowshoeing, it's basically like snow hiking. You have like these little like, uh, I don't know what to call them. Um, Not like platforms, but like circular things that like your feet go on. <laughs> so that like you can have like They're a better like- surface area and like a wider... Area, so it's like, easier to tromp in the snow. They look like tennis rackets. Yeah, <laughs> except, except for think. the modern ones, don't. Oh, okay. They look like Crocs, but larger. <laughs> they, look like, they look like tennis racket Crocs, but without the racket, like without the like racket, you know, crisscross part. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just tromping around in the snow and hiking and enjoying the views, but it's also very exhausting. Um, and I had never done it before, and I really enjoyed it. But I was, like, painting at the end, and I was like, man, was that a hard trail? And they're like, no, that was easy. And I was like, (laughs) man.
2: If your body's not used to, like, the elevation, that's probably a part of it, too. Um,
1: If you're – people who don't live at high elevations have a harder time of doing physical activity because um, you aren't – it's, like, very hard to get oxygen – as it normally would be because you don't have, like, the amount of blood cells you need. So, anyway, I was struggling, but <laughs> Andrew was not, so I felt stupid. But it's okay. Here, it was a good there. experience. Is that
2: why the Olympics train in Colorado? Yes. So they can yes. get, like, the oh, most peak yes. performance?
1: Yes. I never yes. thought about that. Literally, yes. Wow. It's blood. Whoa. It's called blood doping. Oh, wow. Ew. It's, oh <laughs> <laughs> it's a natural thing that happens when you go to higher elevations, your body produces more red blood cells. So that you can breathe easier because it's really hard to breathe. Did you say that when you were hiking? You're like, I'm blood doping. No, because I wasn't... You have to stay there for like a couple of weeks for that to actually happen. It's not like your body's just like, yeah, more blood in like an hour. Like, it takes a while. Anyway, so I was still out of breath. But it was really, really fun and enjoyable and I highly recommend. So yeah. y'all should try that.
2: Any yeah. do you like being home?
0: Yeah, it's been nice being back. We were just here for a couple of days though, so... I don't know, this is our, we're leaving after we record, but it's been super nice being back in Ohio for a little bit, and seeing, well, you guys, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, yeah, just hanging out, it was pretty chill, we had, so Christmas Day, we usually do, like, brunch with one side of my family, and they come over, and we just eat good food, and hang out, and, yeah, we usually open our presents on Christmas Eve, but, Mm. yeah, so that's our tradition, I guess. Nice.
2: Nice. Um, Susie, do you have a favorite Christmas tradition? I do. Every Christmas Eve, my family has a Happy Birthday Jesus party, (laughs) and I love Mm -hmm. it. And it hasn't changed. Uh, We literally go to Christmas Eve service, and then we come right back to my parents' house, and we read like the Christmas story from the Bible, the Bible.
1: The Bible. (laughs) My dad always
2: reads it. Shush! I have a three-year-old brother. And then um, after that, we sing Happy Birthday to Jesus with like a cake. And take turns blowing out the candles, and then we put Jesus in the manger, and then we sing three Christmas carols.
0: Is how three many
2: Christmas
1: carols. Three Every year? Christmas carols. Yes. Wow. They do the carols change?
2: They do, depending oh, what wow. we depending <laughs> what we want to do. But I really like it because my parents kind of like emphasize that Christmas is about like Jesus and not just the presents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we always do all that before we open a single present. Oh, uh-huh.
0: mm-hmm. that's I really a fun like tradition. It. Yeah, I like that.
1: Mm. Um. So, my family, every single year from, as for as long as I can really remember, so every single Christmas morning, we would get up, and, like, whoever's the first step, you know, has to wait for everyone else to get up, <laughs> so now that's fun, because my sister has four kids, and... You know how that is with kids wanting to be able to, like, crack a dawn. To oh, open I mean,
0: up. also, that's me, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, come on, people, I mean, let's presents. go. <laughs> so, I love presents. <laughs> um, we all gather upstairs, and traditionally, when we were children, we were not allowed to go downstairs at all until um, my parents came and got us on the stairs. And so we would all line up on the stairs and sit down and wait, and then my dad would come up with his Bible and read the Christmas story and I would sometimes make him even read the wise men part because the wise men were never included because they like it was like they came later yeah and Jesus was older but um we always would do that and then once we were done with that we would all like go and start opening gifts and always like oldest to youngest or youngest oldest like in order everyone does a present at a time present at a time My voice has a little phlegm. It's fine. We're also recording (coughs) super early in the morning, so so so, yes, (laughs) falling apart a little bit. (laughs) That's my favorite family tradition is doing that every year. So, but it's obviously it changes when you get older because you get married and then you start spending Christmases with you know your spouse's family, and that's Mm -hmm. always like fun to kind of see different traditions and different and like start your own traditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hopefully will instill a tradition in Andrew to always get real Christmas trees because we got (laughs) our first one this year and it was really cute and I love it and it's small and tiny and adorable and has birds on it and I love it.
2: My house looks like the Grinch lives there, because no one was there for Christmas, <laughs> and so it looks like there's nothing out, like, at all. No so one it's... likes Christmas in your house. You no, know, we love Christmas. We all just kind of, like, left to go to our parents' house, and, like, there's no lights, and there's not even a tree, which is weird, <laughs> because we went to other houses that had lights and trees, but, yeah, it looks sad. Got a tiny little fake tree from Hobby
0: Lobby. It's really skinny, so it fits really well in our apartment. But it looks nice. Cool. Yeah, it cool. looks very nice. Cool. Oh, thank you. And you guys have stockings. We haven't even gotten stockings. We're not there yet. <laughs> I bought them for all of, so Mason's family came and like had Christmas at our apartment and I bought them all stockings and it was fun. They just wouldn't stay on our mantle. Uh-huh. But it's fine. They were really full, so we had to, like, line them up along the tree. Oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's cute. It was really fun. i have never done stockings until
1: oh, really? until this year. Yeah, we always, it's funny because people do stockings differently, but um, we usually always would do stockings last in my family. Hmm. Uh, so it was, like, an afterthought, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, there's something more, and that was always exciting uh-huh. to, like, have something extra. But in Andrew's family, my spouse, we uh, did stockings first instead of presents <laughs> first. So that was, that was kind of interesting to like deviate. But so it's funny you mentioned like having
2: to sit on the steps In my family, you're allowed to come downstairs and the only present you were allowed to open was the stocking. You can go through your mm-hmm. stocking and like compare and sort and trade and that kind of stuff if my parents yeah. got up. But you we would just sit there in the living room, like stare at the presents. Mm-hmm. You just like sit there and be like, come on parents.
0: <laughs> Stockings seem like like, the Easter basket of Christmas, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's all kind of just there, and it's all goodies
1: and little things. I think it's, like, fun, though, because it's, like, you can get creative with Mm -hmm. what kind of things you put in there Mm -hmm. because you only have a certain amount of space, so it's, like, you want to try to make whatever is in there, like, Really Worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it's obviously changed over time, but now, like, we'll get, like, bath bombs and, like, some seasoning mm-hmm. packets, and those are really fun to get and stuff that you enjoy. As adult adult stockings. Yeah. 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 Adult stockings.
0: So, Shannon, tell us about our book.
1: Okay. Because so, you picked
0: it out this month.
1: <sighs> Whew. So, um we read The Deal of a Lifetime by Frederick bachman and he's a Swedish author. He's, like, become more well-known recently um with his books like a man called uva and my grandmother asked mm-hmm. me to tell you she's sorry um and one of his more controversial books bear town um, <laughs> controversial it's controversial it is a lot of people really love it and then a lot of people are like really hate super it. inappropriate people shouldn't be writing this it's a very polarizing book yeah so um i actually liked it but that's a different story i haven't read it yet so so we read a novella by him And the novella kind of takes place at Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. It's not only about Christmas per se, but I thought it was like an interesting thing to write to read around this time of year because it does take place around Mm. Christmas Eve. There's
0: a big Christmas tree on the cover.
1: Yeah, there is a Christmas tree on the cover. It
0: looks Christmasy. And
1: it's honestly really hard to find Christmas books that aren't like cheesy and Mm -hmm. you know like Hallmarky. So I was trying to find something that was a little bit more interesting. Um, I will say though about his novellas before we like dig into it that. Um, his novels are amazing, but I will say about his novellas, they're like a little less. Um, like there's less time to expand and like do what he does best with characters, which is really develop them super well mm-hmm. and like have that time to kind of get you to grow to love the character. So there like really wasn't time for that in this novella, just because it's like only sixty pages or so. Um, but like it was still pretty interesting. But essentially, what's happening in this book is if I was a guy who. Don't remember his name to be honest. Do we ever find out his name? Frederick. No, wait,
0: that's him. No,
1: I don't don't think I don't feel
0: like we actually find out. Yeah, I don't think so.
1: (laughs) So, um, he's just kind
0: of a generic, yeah, narrator. So, yeah, yeah. like
1: Annie said, he's like a tycoon, he's very, very rich. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like kind of one of those guys who's just like kind of put work and ambition first over family his whole life, and it kind of like looks at him, his, like, self-reflections on parts of his life and how it relates to his son and him not really being there for his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, what it looks like to, um, I guess, like, what it means to have a life and, like, what the life is worth and what that entails. Um, and just kind of goes through his story, like, once he meets a little girl who has, a little girl who has cancer uh, while he himself has cancer. so that's just like a little bit of a little synopsis before giving too much away because I'm sure we'll get to like what actually happens in terms of the ending because the ending's a little abrupt and very interesting I actually Mm -hmm. had to I know Susie had to do this too I actually had to reread it Mm -hmm. um after I read it the first time just because I was like kind of left being like what just happened
2: yeah (laughs) the ending was so abrupt that I had the same emotion it's like wait that's ending what what happened so what, what? Why? And so I just regret it and
1: all. The funny, th- <laughs> the funny thing about that is is I feel like that's very characteristic. He only has two novellas. Um, the other one's like in The Way Home. Is every day The Way Home gets longer and longer or something. And you kind of feel like that in both of them. You just feel like you read it and then you're like, what happened? And you're kind of like the whole time hmm. in like the amount of pages yeah. that he has, you're trying to figure out what's happening because they're like there's not many pages and like he can't do what he normally does with novels yeah yeah and the style of this book
0: too it kind of you're trying to figure it out as it goes so it's like Mm -hmm. as soon as you get what's happening it's it's done
2: yeah yeah i found it kind of hard to like grasp the book like Mm -hmm. whatever part i was in you were kind of thinking about what he was trying to convey, or like what I was trying to get from this one scene or part and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and once I thought I might have gotten it, maybe he completely moved on to like the whole time I felt like a little unsettled, mm-hmm. which is why I think I had to reread it, Same. and I still felt unsettled. Yeah, as like a reader, less less, less unsettled. Did yes, first.
0: right. Yeah, but I do think that was on purpose too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he like wanted you to feel kind of this. Like, what's the word? Like, unsureness? That's not a real word. (laughs) Unsureness. Confusion. And you know what? It's
1: it's interesting that you say that because I feel like maybe it's because, like, the book is kind of about death Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. maybe he's trying to convey through the way he's writing it and our confusion that, like, that's what death is. is, Like, it can be confusing Mm -hmm. and, like, abrupt and, like, not really fair and come at the worst time possible, and when you, like, don't want it to, and, like, there's no reasoning with death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like that. But before we dig too much into this, um, <coughs> we should do our sentences and also the drinks oh, let's that we're our drinking. Drinks, yeah. So we'll do drinks first, but um, I asked the girls, because there's not really... We, it's a short book, so there's not really like any instance of drinks that are really mentioned besides like you know he's in a bar a few times it's alcohol, but it's and it's really early None way of too really early for, drink that. for that or drink right now especially Susie's working so <laughs> yep. we, <that's> the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Susie we decided to um, do uh, favorite Christmas drink, drinks or whatever um, and I actually probably would have had eggnog this morning but um, I don't currently have any of my Home and uh, it's a lot of calories, so <laughs> I felt like I was gonna go with my second favorite holiday drink, which is um, Starbucks peppermint mocha. Mm-mm. And good stuff, it's also convenient because I could pick it up on the way here, so nice. <laughs> um, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I love giving that or getting that every holiday season, it's kind of like the pumpkin spice latte of, of Christmas. Christmas. So, nice. one of
2: my like family traditions is actually to have coffee and Baileys, so I'm not doing that right now oh, yes. because it's in the morning, um, so I'm having coffee without the Baileys, but it's, it's just one of those things where it's like a warm drink because of winter, and right now I'm drinking caramel coffee with hazelnut creamer, <laughs> which actually tastes really good, and it does remind me of Christmas because I never drink more coffee than I'm at my mother's house mm-hmm. who loves coffee, so that is what I'm drinking this morning. And
0: I'm drinking peppermint hot chocolate. Woohoo! Because I love chocolate. And And peppermint. Peppermint. And Christmas. (laughs) That's all I
1: got. (laughs) She even has little marshmallows. She went all out. I did. It's it's cute. You can't
2: have hot chocolate without marshmallows. No, you really can't. It's just a
1: sin. Yeah. (laughs) It's just wrong. Yeah.
2: I feel like I'm always sick when I do these podcasts.
1: Anybody else notice that? (laughs) Okay, it's just it's the morning. It's also just the morning, <laughs> so you're a little, like... Yeah. I'm a little groggy. Yeah. So, um, moving on. I'm going to start with my sentence just because I had a really hard time with this sentence. I think we all
0: did. And we say that yeah. every month. Well, but really, though,
1: I, like, I mean, I struggled, and Susie looked at it and was like, eh, and I was like, I'm, I'm not doing <laughs> it. Um, but, yeah. This it was just very, very difficult, and maybe it was because I was really tired last night when I was trying to f- figure this out, but... It It was just very difficult to characterize a 60-page book. Yeah, this book is so short,
0: and it goes a lot of different directions, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint something. It's hard to even decide, like, what to
2: focus on in a sentence, because there's so many avenues you can go down. Yeah. So we all struggled.
1: (laughs) So my sentence is, one man faced with a bleak future in a regrettable past wrestles with the cost of a lifetime survival, and what makes life worth living? Solid. And we'll kind of dig into that a little bit later, but, like... He talks a lot about surviving, and you know, mm-hmm. like what that means to him, and yeah, the pros and cons. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I went with that, and that's why I went first because I want I feel like it'll only go up for me here. <laughs> <laughs> Not
0: sure about that. <laughs> I
2: don't know. Um, my sentence is: in a poignant letter to his son, a man explores life, its struggles, its expectations, and its challenges.
0: Hmm. Nice, deep. Mine is in this short work, large concepts including death and the value of time are explored by an unlikely character.
1: Hmm. Nice, that's pretty good characterization. Ooh.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah,
1: where to go? Um, so we'll Can just we... like dig right in. Does someone want to start with one of their questions, or what do you want to discuss do our first? Themes, oh, themes. Okay, this well, is,
0: these will be interesting.
1: <laughs> so, um, I had the theme about why well, I kind of mentioned this in my my sentence but the theme of survival because um or I guess you could say even like survival of the fittest really um Mm -hmm. because it talked a lot about the main character's own survival and how you know he so they in this book they characterize death as or not even death but the person who kind of is in charge of like carrying out death's wishes Mm -hmm. so to speak yeah death is kind of personified in Mm -hmm. this book Um, As a woman, an older woman, with a gray wool knitted sweater. (coughs) And she's always kind of going around and, um, you know, wherever death is happening, she happens to be there. And the narrator of the book, the tycoon, um, he, he doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a name, yeah. But he kind of notices this over time, that whenever someone close to him is dying, She's there, and um, it's interesting. There's even a part in the book where, like, the, the little girl that we'll like talk about a little bit later, but she also notices the woman. Um, so, I was like, I thought it was really interesting that a child um, could notice like death when I guess when they were like close to it because, like, this mm-hmm. woman was always at the hospital because death, a lot of death happens at the hospital, um, especially like on the cancer ward. Mm-hmm. So I saw the theme of survival because he kept surviving, um, every time someone close to him would die, like they would die mm-hmm. instead of him. And he kind of had like some, like to an extent he had like survival's guilt at the end. Mm-hmm. He felt like, you know, while every single time, you know, like my friend passed away, my dad passed away, like my brother passed away. There wasn't enough room for a, both of us in, in this lifetime because like they were both born like twins and yeah. the, his brother died um, before, like, you know, either of them really had a chance to live, Mm -hmm. um, and so he kind of was discussing that, like, how he was a survivor, and how, um, survivors are always, like, the most ambitious, and, like, the least happy, because if you're happy, then you're never wanting to, like, change anything in in society, you're never wanting to make beautiful music, because you're, you're content, you're happy, Mm -hmm. whereas people who are, like, survivors, like, want, to keep living and like be the most ambitious they can and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. he kind of like talked that about talked a lot about that and I kind of like saw that um in there and it was like the people who wanted it the most were like it seemed like in this book anyway like were the ones who ended up surviving because he was like I'm always trying to survive and and even when <laughs> even when I have cancer I still <laughs> can't die it's just it's funny but
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I we just, kind of find out later that there's a reason for that so yeah
0: yeah that's a good one.
2: No, I think it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I feel like reading this book. The author kind of led her interpretation like up to the reader, and one of the themes of like survival that um, like he was going on maybe one of the things he was trying to point out was like the gift of life, mm-hmm. where it's one of those things where he noticed that all these people we dying around him, and he was surviving. And I think earlier on in his life, maybe he didn't, like, value his life that much. Or he did, but, you know, he was just trying to, like, get to the next thing, get mm-hmm. to the next thing. And, like, and when he got cancer, and when he, like, noticed this lady, you know, and thought more about it later in life, he was like, oh, wow, like, I was chosen all of these times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets into the theme of what are you doing with your yeah, life.
0: And we can talk about like why he didn't die too. Yes. So basically this lady <clears throat> in the grey sweater. Wool knitted sweater. Wool knitted sweater. She so she's in charge of carrying out like the, the people who died. Yeah. yeah. So she for some reason this man is her her favorite person, I guess. So mm-hmm. so she's kind of I guess protected him from death while all these other people are dying around him Mm -hmm. so
2: yeah she said that when his brother his twin brother died she like looked into his eyes Mm -hmm. and they're not supposed to get attached to people they're not supposed to look back right at the people who are left behind
0: but that was the moment yeah and so from
2: the beginning like I think it was even like before he was born because I think that like she had a miscarriage right like, with one of them? Maybe? I don't know. I don't, but from the I very beginning that. of life, she had a soft spot for this narrator tycoon character mm-hmm. that is then carried out, like, throughout the whole
1: book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she said that they're not supposed to feel and they're not supposed to hurt because that makes doing their job difficult mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being basically, like, unbiased. Um, and this obviously <coughs> biased her. It was, like, the first time that she saw into human's eyes and like saw their pain and anguish yeah mm-hmm. and it was funny because it's like a child too it's not even you know like like you think of a child and like the emotion emotional state is like much different than like the emotional state of adult of an adult but like mm-hmm. it's still like pain and like yeah. she could still appreciate that which i thought was interesting i, I think that children's well,
0: pain can be even worse than ours yeah because like, yeah, We can always rationalize something, but children don't yeah. always understand yeah. what's happening. So No,
2: actually, that kind of... So the theme that I had is... I wrote it down this morning as expectations, <clears> but <throat> actually the <throat> thing that I had next to it, I realized that my theme more is the ability for children to perceive what's going on. Like, I kind of almost disagree with you, because since I've been an adult and been seeing, like, children around me, my three-year-old brother, all my cousins... Um, all of these people anywhere from ages to like three years to like 12 years. I think it is so interesting how in tune children are with their emotions, mm-hmm. how perceptive they are. And what one thing that really struck me was the little girl when she's introduced, they talk about how she colors even though she doesn't want to because mm-hmm. she knows that her act of coloring actually makes the adults feel comforted. That they yeah. think she has a purpose. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, think that... I was
1: more thinking, though, that, like, when his brother died, like, they were, like, infants. Yeah.
2: You know, like, really small. And yeah. so, I feel
1: like infants are less likely to be, like, really fully aware of their emotions. Because at that point, it's just, like, sleep, poop, I mean, I agree sleep. with you at the very, very so beginning. So, I am not saying all children. I thought, like, she said that... I mean, I can look it up. But I, I, thought I thought she was talking about, like... No, they died, it like after birth or something. Like, no, he passed away. I life. remember okay. now it, it said
2: that he crushed his twin in the womb, that
1: okay. there wasn't
2: enough room in the world for both of them. Okay, I can't remember that because, yeah, yeah. So, I, I was remember, thinking, thinking, like, him you know, saying...
1: he was experiencing like not knowing his brother when he was like a child, like a baby, basically. And so, that's why I was thinking more okay. of like the emotion is a little harder to fathom at that time, right? Yeah. Like, they're babies and they don't really. Fully understand, right. yeah. Well, I yeah. also remember but I the book. I do agree with you about like children's perceptions. I
0: also remember the book saying though that after his brother died, that was when he decided to like keep you know advancing and yeah, trying to build up his I don't know, whatever I think that empire been so I like, that you know so what? maybe it maybe okay. was a
1: different brother, maybe they were there maybe multiple he had two brothers? brothers. Well, <laughs> remember, I thought he said like at one point that, um, well, no, sorry, well, I was just thinking that I thought that he like they saw. He saw pictures of his brother. Okay. That his, his parents had. No, he, I mean. He, a lot of people have died in his life. They have. <laughs> That's well, true. <laughs> to find anyway. out, read the book. Yeah. Just tell, the us is, what tell us. Tell us. Because the the we don't know. Is, is, <laughs> um, a lot of people have died. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: the theme <laughs> is that there have been in numerous books or movies or, you know, even your own life. I think it's so interesting that when children are dying, they actually end up comforting Mm-hmm. The adults around them, or like when they can be literally on their deathbed, mm-hmm. they'll be like, You know, like, don't worry, mom, it will be okay, yeah. like, don't be too sad for me. I think children are incredibly yeah. in tune. I with don't their know emotions how
0: true that situation is in real life, though. It's always like, you know, the, the movies yeah. and the books that, yeah, that happens, but I don't know what I don't know. I've that's not,
1: true, that's lost true. a child, yeah. So yeah. I don't know, yeah. yeah. I'll say that cancer like, kids are always super sweet, yeah, yeah, but beyond that, I don't. I do know that, like, like, I don't, I don't have, like,
2: my, this is only one child, like, my brother, I don't, he's never been around, like, that situation, he's not dying, so it's all good, but I do know (laughs) that when, like, you're sad, and let's say that, like, you're trying to hide it from other people, which, like, adults do a lot when they're at, like, gatherings, my brother always knows. Hmm. He will always go up to the adults and be like, why are you sad? Even Hmm. when they're, like, super
1: happy, that kind of stuff. How do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine.
0: No, I know. So...
1: Um, what do you think, Annie? What was your theme? What did you see? Um, my
0: theme... So, my theme is more of an actual, like, item in the story. And I Mm -hmm. think aren't, like, the things that we normally talk about, I think those are motifs. I don't... I need to look this up. We need to know what we're talking about, but that's fine. (coughs) So, my theme was the clipboard. Um, and I guess the lady kind of is attached to the clipboard, but we do see remnants of it in other places because i know he saw the clipboard just sitting Mm. around somewhere and she dropped the pencil somewhere and he saw the pencil on the floor somewhere and i think that kind of ties into the idea that she talks about later where he asks her are you deaf and she goes i am not my job so i think that kind of helps to separate her from what she what she's doing Mm -hmm. so because we see individual pieces of
2: that throughout the story I think her character is super interesting because a lot of times as supernatural death representative characters, people oftentimes can't see them or they can just see them in certain situations. Mm-hmm. But it what it sounds like to me is that she can actually always be seen and like her mm-hmm. clipboard is always there or like that kind of stuff, yeah, like she's but an actual... you have to notice it. Yeah. Like she's mm-hmm. an actual person. Yeah. But like you have to be cognizant yeah. yeah. But in
0: the midst of, like, tragedy, people don't always notice. notice.
1: Yeah, and I think the reason that, you know, like, the two characters that they talk a lot about in the book, like, the narrator and, like, the little girl notice, because the narrator's seen her a lot because he's experienced a lot of death in his life, but the little girl has noticed because they're on a cancer ward, so they've yeah. seen her a lot. And, like, no, I mean, ch- children, like you said, are pretty smart, intuitive. They can pick that stuff up, but, like, she notices when the lady goes in and then the person comes out dead, you know? Yeah, yeah. children notice that stuff. Yeah, and she's scared of her, and she like at one point she'll like hide under the covers because Mm -hmm. you know she she doesn't want the lady in the gray sweater to come tonight.
2: Right. Yeah, I think that the clipboard, like this is once again with what the author is doing, could Mm -hmm. have tons of significant meaning. It I think it does, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, every single thing in this book, I don't think was as fully developed as I would want it to be to really have a concrete. Mm -hmm. Like literary interpretation of, like, yes, yeah, this,
0: book this is, is what it yeah, is. This book mm-hmm. is very hard to analyze. Yeah.
1: And it's interesting because in his little foreword, he talks about how, like, this started out as just a story he thought up in his mind during Christmas Eve when his wife and child were asleep <laughs> on the couch. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because a lot of stories have started out from him as, like, blogs. So his first book, A Man Called Uva, started out as a blog hmm. about, like, a grumpy old man that he saw one day and, like, thought up a whole story for him. And so I think, like, I guess it's kind of from the perspective of they were at one point, like, blog-type stories, and so he said he almost didn't even publish this, Hmm. which is interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to point out how I thought it was interesting how the whole story is read almost, like, in the past... I think it is in the past tense Mm -hmm. Um, and how it's written to his son, the narrator's son. So now that we've kind of like talked about themes for a little bit, what do you guys think of his relationship with his son?
2: I mean, I think it's sad. (laughs) And I think he understood that at the end um, that he had for so long put his drive and ambition Mm -hmm. in front of his family and especially with like your family i think people regret a lot of the times like not choosing them or spending more time with them and so it was interesting how like at this point in his lifetime he was starting to think about his decisions and his life and you know i think he was really regretful of what he had given up Mm -hmm. It's like the opportunity cost of life. Yeah. We yeah. talk a lot about like work-life balance and when things get out of balance one way or the other, honestly, um, it just affects people.
0: Yeah. And I think when he like hit that point, when he realized he had cancer and was dying, essentially when he started regretting what he had done to this relationship with the son, he almost kind of accepted where it was. At that point, so he gave him a respectable amount of distance, I think, because he had built up some resentment between them and he didn't want to, you know, charge in on that. So mm-hmm. I think there is a switch, even though, you know, nothing like physically changed between them, but his attitude did a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I have a few more <laughs> questions about. Oh, um, before
0: we move on, I think it's also interesting to know about his son that. So, we have this big, like, business tycoon man, and then his son is a small Mm -hmm. business owner. So, he owns a bar. So, that's just a
1: fun contrast. (laughs) It's almost like his son decided to do that because of his his dad being who his dad was. And there were a
0: couple instances where he's done... Where he um, is telling stories about his son, and his son has done things, like, purposefully because he knows that
1: the dad doesn't like that. Yeah. So, maybe. Um... Um yeah I was going on I was going to go on and say um what do you think about so I guess moving forward um Annie would you characterize just a little bit more for the audience like putting me on the spot. Yeah. Well I feel like you're really good at this but yeah. just like talking more about like um what the relationship between like why it was the way it was like strained, mm-hmm. and then on to more of like, I want to talk after you do that, like, more about the ending and, like, yeah. looking at how he chose, what he chose to do, and, like, if that was worth, um, sacri- like, sacrificing for, mm-hmm. for, like, the little child, or if he should have worked more to try to, like, reconcile with his son. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. Because I- that was the That the was deal. Kind of, yeah.
0: Yeah. The deal of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess... Like, at the beginning, he's your typical, like, father who puts business instead of family, and he makes promises that he doesn't keep, and, you know, keeps his son waiting on the front steps for things that he's never going to show up for, and, um, there's also this whole dynamic with the mother, too, where the son gets along with the mother, and I think the dad is kind of jealous of that, Mm -hmm. and there's this little story in there where they go and they play poker, is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the son ends up winning a bunch <coughs> of money, and the dad like is kind of pushing him to buy more or not buy more money, get win more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so like, like continue, 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 yeah. continue yeah. winning the whatever, yeah. winning
1: streak. And he had already won like what, like six hundred dollars or not dollars? Yeah, kroner. Dollars are like yeah. different. Yeah,
0: but um, but he's like, I don't want to do this. Like he wasn't as comfortable with it as his dad was because he. I don't know, you kind of just see him as the antithesis of his father, as he doesn't like big business, he doesn't like, you know, businesses coming in and taking over other Mm -hmm. spaces, because that happened to his bar, or his Mm -hmm. office that he was working at, there was a big business that came in and took that building over and made the move, Um, but yeah, so he took the money that he won, going back to Mm -hmm. the poker story. He took the money, and he bought a pair of earrings, and his dad didn't even realize for a year that yeah. he had bought it for his mother. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole dynamic that, I don't know, the father's just totally out of touch with his family. Yeah. Um, I feel like the
2: son, a lot of times, thinks of others, mm-hmm. and his dad, for most of his life, just yeah. to think about himself.
0: Yeah, and he was trying to teach his son to also think the same way, because he wanted, like, you did want his son to do well in life, because... He saw himself as the ideal, mm-hmm. I guess, and he was pushing his son to be who he grew up to be, but his yeah. son realized that that might not be the best.
1: Well, and it's <laughs> kind of like the son, he kind of chose his own path because mm-hmm. his dad even mentions in the story, oh, I could have given him any job he wanted, mm-hmm. yeah. but instead his son decided, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be a bartender and, like, work and own a bar, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, very... I don't Which want anything still, to do with you. I want my yeah. own life.
0: And owning a bar is still kind of impressive. Yeah. It's just
1: impressive on a smaller scale. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, and I think one of the things that I remember about the book being like very characteristic about just their personality is that they would go on these little, you know, weekend trips mm, and yep. do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yep, you can do it. Um, they <coughs> would so in Scandinavian countries. They have these little like boat cruises that will take you to like the different Scandinavian countries because they're fairly close um, by water, and I've actually gotten to experience one of those myself. But um, <laughs> they would go from Helsingborg, which is where they lived, uh, to the uh, Denmark, like Copenhagen or Copenhagen, if you want to be specific, but um, <laughs> area. For trips, and his dad would always look forward to leaving Helsinki and would like look forward to like going there, mm-hmm. and his son would always look forward to coming back. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, you know, his son really valued Helsinki and like home, yes, and his father didn't. And it's like a very interesting yeah. characteristic clash. Yeah, between the book those is two. just
0: full of
1: all these little contrasts between them that show yeah. just how different they are,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. and like even how he first treated the little girl, like, the father, um, or the narrator, I should say, compared to, you know, his son, who's, like, very, very kind, and, like,
2: Mm -hmm. took
1: his dad and, like, the wool-knitted sweater lady Mm -hmm. in when, you know, like, his dad was all, you know, bloodied up and stuff (laughs) because of a car crash. Yeah, and... (laughs) Details. Details, yeah. Details, yeah. We'll get to that, I'm sure, but, um... Just when he first saw the little girl and was like, she, you know, she asked him to play a game or something. And he was like, no, or yeah. you shouldn't be talking to strangers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead of like j- just being more compassionate and, you know, like knowing that this child has cancer. And trying yeah. to be, like, talk to them about answer questions that they want to talk to. Because, you know, like, they don't have that much longer to live. Mm-hmm. And it's just seeing those personalities. It's yeah. just so interesting. And, and
0: he, he, does he does in the end. Yeah. Become a little more like his son and like the child when he decides to make Mm -hmm. the Mm
1: -hmm. decides to yeah. Do you think that (laughs) there's a point in the book where he kind of like realizes I don't know that he maybe hasn't acted the best his whole life and like chosen the best decision. Do you think there's a point in the book where he's like kind of decided to change a little bit? I think Um, it's more of a transition. I think it's
0: throughout the whole book. You see at the beginning, obviously, he's starting to write this letter. So he's clearly already thinking about these things, and I think it just progresses. It's a gradual
2: I would almost argue that, like, he decided that he wanted to change his life. Or, like, I wonder when he writes this letter because I almost feel like he thought he all this stuff before, before. Mm-hmm. like he was writing this letter like right before right before mm-hmm. he you made, made the deal thing. yeah and so. so it's almost like he's just thinking out loud on paper yeah. You know, like, yeah writing out his regrets and his life and so I would argue that he thought that he made interesting choices or choices that he didn't really love like before he even started writing the letter yeah Mm -hmm.
1: I think for me one point in the book that I felt like was kind of him kind of starting to like change his tune was when the little girl was like oh man I hope the little the gray the gray sweater lady isn't coming tonight like I'm scared of her and he was like I'll stay awake and you know make sure she doesn't visit your room Mm -hmm. whereas before he kind of been like ignoring the child and not really like paying attention to her, kind of acting like she was kind of, you know, a child and not Mm -hmm. worth his time. And at that point, I felt like he made the decision to put another's needs and like fears above his own. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like that was like a conscious choice. And like, after that is when he kind of decided to start really thinking about like putting someone else (laughs) before himself. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that the author was trying to make his readers think about what kind of life they want to live? Mm-hmm. you know where it's like he describes this man that lives a life that I think people agree is not necessarily like the best decisions right. and then you see like his son which is another like antithesis or you can kind of see like the child which is a life like totally ahead of her maybe mm-hmm. but at the same time not because um, I found that when I was reading it I was thinking what kind of life do I want to live and there was that one point where he said like the most valuable thing in life is time Mm-hmm. And that is so true. Like I remember our uh, AP English teacher kind of <laughs> hammered that into us. His name was Mr. Kurtz, and he was awesome. He hammered that into us like day <laughs> one of senior year. Mm-hmm. He was like, "You only have one year to be with all these people, and then you're gonna mm-hmm. move on." It's like what? Like write them a letter. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. That you love them. He was so like, "What do you them, want to them. say?" You know. And he also taught, which is kind of ties into the letter aspect, that you should try to write a note. To people the same number of years that you're alive so like I'm 22 so he said, like I would challenge you to write like 22 letters to people that are important to you mm-hmm. so that at the end of your life or the end of a, t- a period of time you haven't said you haven't left anything unsaid if people are important to you, tell them, mm-hmm. because life is fleeting, because you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And so I was really thinking, honestly, of Mr. Kurtz a lot when I was reading <laughs> this book, because all of these life struggles, all of these choices, he challenges us to think about when we are seniors in high school, which I think is so valuable, because as I have like gone through college and life and stuff, you do think, like, what is the life I want to leave? Yeah. Like, what do I want to be remembered for?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You seem like you're about to say something. It wasn't super related,
0: but I had a teacher in high school who had said people over things, which obviously that makes a lot of sense, but there's just a lot of little ways that that plays out and it, I mean, it kind of ties to what you're saying, but Mm -hmm. not like too much mm -hmm. to the book. No, but yeah. Yeah. So I would always think about that, like in college when I was like working on homework and someone came up to me and like needed help or just wanted to talk. And I had to decide, like, oh, is homework really more important than cultivating relationships with people? Mm -hmm. Because even though homework is super important, and, you know, doing well in school, and...
2: But at the same time, you can be like, I can do the homework later. Right.
0: Where, yeah. You don't know if you necessarily have time to be with
1: people. You know, it's, like, interesting that you say that, because, um, so I'm in medical school right now, as I've told you guys before, (laughs) but something that they kind of tried to hammer into us in the first couple months of school was you know we had like this whole session where we talked to other students about like family planning and just like how to balance school and family because this Mm -hmm. is going to be the lifelong thing for Mm -hmm. us is like having a lot of work and priorities and you know responsibility there and then how to how to also balance with like a very busy schedule with your family so that you're not you know, kind of hurting those relationships. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, something that they said to us is, you know, like, sometimes you just need to take, people say this, like, the L um, on, like, a PI (coughs) in one of our classes or whatever, an assignment, because sometimes, like, it's more important to spend time with family, Mm -hmm. even if it means you are behind in your studies, because sometimes, like, you just have to make time for them, because otherwise you won't. And yeah. you're just going to, those relationships are going to suffer. And so you have to consciously make decisions and efforts to try and balance both that way. And I thought that's like kind of really telling of life. Mm-hmm. You're never going to not be busy. You're never going to not have things right. going on. And and things, so, are, things are
0: only going to get more yeah, busy. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. There was this other teacher I had that like, you, okay, I'm sorry. I love <laughs> no, I'm teachers. High school. Ah. I love teachers. This actually is college. Oh, okay. It was my accounting professor. <laughs> and honestly, my what was cool about him is that he challenged us to think about, like, your lifetime as well. And he had us write a letter, honestly, a letter, to, like, our future selves that was like, you know, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to be who do you want around you? Like, what do you want people to think about you? And he mm-hmm. said that he had his letter with him, like, at all times to, like, focus in on, like, what he wanted his lifetime to look I mean, like. Accounting. And accounting, that's
1: pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> he was a super awesome <laughs> professor, yeah. One. Um, okay, yeah. so I have, and I know we're going to, like, get into, like, each of the questions that we prepare, but before we do that, I just want to ask one more key question about mm-hmm. the end of the book.
0: Yeah, we should, um, you should explain the ending. Yeah, so basically before we, forget.
1: <laughs> we have this whole letter, this whole time, right? And then we get to the ending of the book, and essentially so the guy, the narrator sees the woman with the knitted sweater, and and he's like, you know, like, it's my, is it my time or whatever? And she says no, it's not your time yet. You'll actually wake up tomorrow and find out that you're cancer free. And she said, it's not yours. And then like goes and stands in front of the little girl's room. And at that moment, he, um, steals the clipboard, takes the pencil and like runs for it and, um, drives his ex- really expensive car. It's like a million kroner or something. It was like what it costs or something. And he essentially tries to sacrifice his life by c- killing himself. Um, and mm-hmm. driving in front of a lorry, which I think is just, like, a big truck. I'm not really positive about that. Um, but he, yeah, is trying to, like, I don't know, take a life for life. So he's trying to give his life so that this little girl can live. Because he, like, has cancer and he kind of realizes he's been a crappy dad his whole life. And so I think, like, that's kind of what's going through his mind when he's trying to do that. But it doesn't work. He doesn't die. And he's just, like, super bloodied up. And... Um, and he essentially, um, asks the lady to spare her for himself, and she says that's not how it works. It's a life for life, meaning you can never have existed to allow someone else to Mm -hmm. exist. Not just that you have to die, like, you have to be erased completely that you never were there, and she said it would mean you would never have been Mm -hmm. your son's father. And so then, like, they go and talk to his son for a bit, um and both of them and then like he kind of makes the decision to do that to give up his life for this little girl so that she can live and have a long life um and so I guess my question about that is just what do you think of that decision do you think that he should have done that like you think it was like noble that he sacrificed his life for this little girl and didn't ever exist or do you think that he should have stuck it out and um, Try to be better father for his son and like work through that relationship, even though it was really strained. Because I think that's like the big question that I was left with at the end of the mm-hmm. book is like, like was really, this good? Yeah, like mm-hmm. what was this actually very noble, or, or was he avoiding, you know, the decisions that he made through his life and deciding that it wasn't worth mm-hmm. it anymore?
0: Well, I think the obvious answer is that, yes, it was a good thing because this is his his first selfless act, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's already messed things up with his son enough that maybe if he doesn't exist, the son will have a better father or a better, you know, a better life, according to him. Um, But there's, I don't know, it's very hard because we're talking about, you know, hypotheticals, something that Mm -hmm. can't really happen. (coughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know, I think it's really hard to say because... We, he also had the opportunity to repair things with his son, and it seemed open mm-hmm. to repair. His son seemed to accept him and, mm-hmm. you know, be willing to work on their relationship.
2: Yeah. Like, his son wasn't at all barring his dad from right. getting to mm-hmm. know him at all. He was, it seems like he always has had like an open attitude right. to it. Um, I don't know, I think it's hard because at the end of the book, I had such mixed emotions about that decision. On one hand, I thought he was really like courageous for giving up his own life so that this little girl can live an entire life, um, hopefully. But at the same time, I also was like, "But like, but your life, like, mm-hmm. you can fix things with your son. Yeah. You can impact, like, a lifetime mm-hmm. can have such a huge <laughs> influence." Um, I'm not saying one life is more valuable than the other. Right. I just yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's really hard to say and a it's like you can't totally really, really pay hypothetical out. situation. Because like everybody is important. Everybody can have a huge impact. Every and like mm-hmm. what you do doesn't even like have to be your impact. Like just like loving people yeah. or making time for others or you know, your yeah. life can look so different. Yeah. In so I, think, many
0: ways. I think the contrast that the book was trying to present is that he was torn between an adult, like his son who is already kind of had his life versus a child, someone who hasn't really, you know, had experience life yet. So I think the book was trying to say that the right
1: decision was for the child. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, if he gave his life up, his son would still exist. Right. He just would have a different father. Right. Yeah. So that just, that being said. Nobody died. No one, no one died. Yeah. And he didn't even die. He just, he just ceased to exist. Right. So, um. (laughs) <laughs> just so that we have time to get to our questions, let's just do a speed round of this. So like okay. very short answers oh, to questions. Oh man, we gotta think fast. Um, I actually got inspiration from a different podcast for doing this. Oh. Um, but so okay, so I'll What's start with question? my question. If you had to cease to exist to save someone else, who would you want to save to do that for? Um, my husband.
2: Is that?
1: That's that like be, a good answer. That can be an answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is so hard. Ah, me, right? Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's so many people I love. I know there is. I always think so, so many people. So yeah. anyone I in mean, my family, my friends, my sister, I think
0: the hopefully we would be open
2: to
1: sacrificing ourselves for, for anyone, people. you know, anybody. Yeah. yeah. Ideally. I think for me, I would probably do it for, like, my child. Mm. Wanting, oh, yeah. like, them to li- live. Yeah. If, like, they had, like, a really bad illness and were going to pass away. Like, I would want them to live. Yeah. Right. Um...
2: Okay, my question. You don't have a child. Just, yeah, yeah. I, do not have yeah clarification. I,
1: I do not have a child in future sense.
2: Uh, my question is kind of good for speed. Uh, what is one word that you want to describe your legacy? That is oh, not
1: good shit. for speed. <laughs> oh, man. It's the first thing you think, think of. It doesn't thing. have to
2: be super poignant.
1: Hmm. Um, the first word that came on my head is willing, which hmm. is interesting because I feel like that's not something I would normally characterize hmm. myself
0: as. That's a good um, word, though.
1: But that's something I just like kind of thought of. Off the top of my head, like that's just the first thing that popped in my head was yeah. willing.
2: I think mine would be giving. <sighs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think mine is like loving, like sacrificially loving, willing, cool. giving, loving. Yeah, cool. I like, I like a it. song.
0: And my question is, <laughs> I don't know how good this is for speed, but is happiness a? Hold on. Hmm, what did it say? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> is happiness a true measure of a successful life? No. No. (laughs) Yeah, I would say no. No. (laughs) But why... I feel like this needs some more... Like, just a little bit more discussion. Yeah. Um, and I think... I say no because, um... I watched a movie recently called People, Places, Things that has Mm -hmm. the guy from Flight of the Conchords in it. If you know what that is, it's... Mm -mm. He's... Anyway. Details. (laughs) So, it said, like, that happiness is not a sustainable condition. And I think Mm -hmm. that's very, very true. Um... Like, we're not always going to be happy, and we could be doing very good things, and we could be, you know, sacrificing for our family, but we're not Uh always going to be happy. Yeah. And I think it's important Mm -hmm. to remember that, um, because I think a lot of people go through life chasing happiness, and that Mm -hmm. doesn't always equal happiness. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I feel like a lot of it's, like, your attitude as well, Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because, you know, you can be really happy and excited that you've gotten something, but at the same time, like, you could have the worst circumstance ever in your life. But choose to be content, and despite of that, yeah. you know, and like that's something that as like Christians that we we try to strive for is in all circumstances like find the joy and like obviously understand like things are sad and mourn and stuff, yeah. But mm-hmm. also like choose to not like let it become, not let us become embittered and like hurt and frustrated mm-hmm. like yeah. all the time by that, and that's challenging. But yeah, it's, it's like it can be sought by mm-hmm. choosing to do
2: you know yeah it's like, mm-hmm. i feel like our purpose is to like love god and love others mm-hmm. and none of that actually talks about yourself
0: yeah right
1: you know like your life
0: isn't about you yeah <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and like obviously like by doing those things the like hope is that you you find joy through that, mm-hmm. right? And like joy in, which and, like, I think for content, totally so. yeah, yeah, and contentment. Yeah. and so like that. Yep. I think that's like the bigger thing mm-hmm. is contentment over happiness. Yes.
0: Yeah. like being okay
1: with mm-hmm. how or your life is. because that is of, like a yeah, choice what is happening. Yeah. 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 So cool. cool, that's great. Well, I'm glad we did that. I was like, Yeah, really fun.
0: that was fun.
2: <laughs> I was. I yeah. I mean, we should
0: do this way quicker yeah. in the yeah. future.
1: <laughs> so, what did you guys rate the book? Um, okay, so I know, and
0: <laughs> I'll go last.
1: Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I'm just gonna go and do mine. So, I've read all of his novels now, every single one, and his novella, us against yeah, you. Is I that did. what it's called? Mm mm-hmm. hmm. So, I've, I've had it, I've done it all. and... I can give you my ranking a separate time about how much I love all of them, but I'll we'll have would a separate s- episode. Yeah, just talking about Frederick <laughs> Backen. So I would say out of all of his no- well like novels, novellas, whatever, this is probably my least favorite, and um, I think that's just because, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I really feel like it's. A better novelist. He's just mm-hmm. very good at yeah. character development, character growth, but he just didn't have the time to do that in yeah. this book. And I and you know what f- he's capable yeah, of. I know what he's <laughs> capable of because I've, I'm in love <laughs> with so many of his books. But I just felt like this one didn't have the time to do that, and I felt confused at the end. And I feel like you should never really, like... And, like, maybe that's what he wanted you to feel was confused, mm-hmm. but I feel like you should never like, really leave the book being like, what just happened? I don't really know what happened. I'm kind <laughs> yeah. of confused. And, like, the fact that I had to read it twice to really fully understand it, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But um, because of that, I would say that I think three, three and a half stars for me just because, like I said, you just know what he's capable of. I've read all of his books, and it's just not – the full extent of his skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's just being, you know, maybe I would like give it a five star or four star if I hadn't read anything else by him. So that'll be interesting to see what Susie says, yeah. but that's just, I think me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I um, gave it a three, which is means it's a book that I liked, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how it made me think about life and just about relationships and the choices you make. Um, I thought it was really thought provoking, but I felt unsettled. That makes Mm -hmm. us like, I, like it felt hard for me to grasp the book to, to understand totally what I was supposed to be understanding. Was I supposed to be understanding something? (laughs) Was it just what I want to think, you know, which I think can have be a valid way to write a book. Right. Um, yeah. So I gave it three stars. Cool. I am giving it two stars. (laughs) Um,
0: I think this book, so a lot of what Shannon said, like, I, I've read a couple other of his books, and I really, really enjoyed them. Um, and this one is just, he doesn't have enough, you know, room to flush things out mm-hmm. and develop things. But if there's a novella that doesn't do that, then why does it exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, en- I don't know, I want to say I enjoyed it, but it, it took a while to get to that yeah. point because it was very all over the place and he says things that almost contradict like he said that the lady can't like the lady said that she can't see into the future and then two pages later she's like oh tomorrow they're gonna tell you that you don't have cancer so i don't know there was a lot of little things like that that bothered me and um i just felt like i didn't really get anything out of it like it Mm -hmm. wasn't like i could have just not read the book and have been the same like yeah, it was not a necessary read, but like it didn't
2: like influence you it wasn't, of anything,
1: you know, right? Okay, okay, and I feel that. like a lot of his books, yeah. and you maybe you feel differently, but I feel like a lot of his books leave you feeling like kind of changed a little bit yeah. in terms of how you view things, right? And it, like, usually in a better way, right? And, and this was this was this lacking. What? Yes, yeah, just
0: one. didn't mm-hmm. do that, so yeah. you weren't left. It being was like, just oh, very ambiguous, and yeah. I think he wanted you to interpret it how you wanted to. Or however yeah. came to you. Which but we nothing don't like <laughs> nothing came to me. So I could have done without it. But it it definitely brought up a lot of interesting topics to talk about. Like obviously I could talk about it for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep. So
1: I feel like we had like a lot of great discussion about this. But, like, yeah, I totally agree yeah. with you guys. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the, sorry for picking it. <laughs> no, you're the no. I think this is good because, yeah. like, we're not going to always love every single book right. that we read. So I think right. it's, it is yeah. good to read books that, like – I think it's good to push yourself. Yeah, yeah, to push yourself and that you wouldn't normally pick up. So cool. that being said – We tried. We tried. <laughs> um, I would recommend reading – if you're interested in picking mm-hmm. something up by him, I would recommend either starting with A Man Called Uva. Or my grandmother
0: asked you to tell asked me to, my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry. Yeah, which well, are Annie and I's favorite favorites. books by him. Yeah, so, and he is a very good author. Yeah, he's so amazing. don't let my judgment of this book
1: yeah. tell you that he's a like not. It's, it's not a It's not even technically it's full not. Book, so <laughs> just, like, it It's just sixty yeah. pages. Yeah, but I that being said, I am glad that I've read everything by him. Um, but you should read those other yeah. books first. Yeah, <laughs> All
0: right. And then next month. We're reading Shakespeare, yeah. which is going to be really fun and something very different than this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we decided on the, what did we say? A Midsummer's Night Dream. A Midsummer's Night A Midsummer. A Midsummer's Night Dream. Is it Midsummer Night's Dream? Mids- I don't know. That one. That one. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we will talk to you later. Bye, friends. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our conversation on The Deal of a Lifetime by Frederick Bachman, as well as listening to our in-real-life banter. Don't forget to check out the episode description where you'll find links to our drinks, Goodreads accounts, and more. We will talk to you again at the end of January, so feel free to read A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare along with us. Bye, friends!